Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. I confess that is me. I do have a case of the Mondays. Welcome back to the Locked On Buckeyes podcast, your only daily Ohio State football and basketball podcast on the interwebs. I'm your show host, Kyle Lamb. You can take a wild guess what we are talking about today. Ohio State 56, Michigan 27, the game, another butt whipping at the hands of the Buckeyes on that team up north. We will be talking about it. First segment, we'll talk about the greatness that is this Ohio State team. Justin Fields, excellent. J.K. Dobbins, unstoppable. The run game, the defense looked a little shaky at first, but they got things rolling, and Ohio State winds up winning by almost 30 points on Saturday. We will talk about that. And also, is this something that Michigan fans just need to deal with? Is this the new paradigm? We'll talk about that. I know not many Michigan fans are listening, but I've got an open monologue for a Michigan fan because it's time to address a few things. I got a few things on my mind. We'll talk about Michigan and the trend of their program. Where are they headed? What should be the expectation? And playoff, playoff, playoff. Yes, we'll talk a little bit about playoff because Ohio State is in it, I'm pretty sure. And I think that they're going to be number one with a win on Saturday against Wisconsin at the Big Ten Championship. So coming up in the third segment, we'll talk playoff scenarios and I think how how they will shape out with both a win or a loss in the Big Ten Championship. That is all coming up today on Locked on Buckeyes. We are brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye. Licensed in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at JFQLending. We are also here thanks to support by GoBus. Ohio's rural intercity bus system can bring you to Columbus for Ohio State sporting events with over 40 stops to locations across the state. Check them out at RideGoBus.com. Locked on Buckeyes can be found on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. That includes Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply by saying, Play Lock on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Check me out on Twitter at KYLAM8. Check the show out at Locked on Buckeye Singular. Saturday was sort of a triple threat choose your own adventure for me. Either I was taking my crazy pills again, or I was in the middle of some kind of weird dream, or I had an epiphany that this Ohio State team is really freaking good. I'm assuming it's the latter rather than the two former options and that Ohio State is just really freaking good. From what I can tell, this Ohio State team is a juggernaut. If you had told me two years ago, heck, forget two years ago, just go back to November 24th of last year and Tell me that Ohio State was going to beat Michigan 62-39 and then follow it up the following year with a 56-27 to score. The two most lopsided Ohio State wins over Michigan and I guess ever, I haven't actually looked it up. Maybe that's not actually true, but it is the two most points scored on that team up north in Ohio State history. Now, last year was just kind of out of the blue because even though we always knew that that Ohio State team should have been better than it was, 
they weren't performing at that level at almost any point in the year. They really just kind of put it together at the right time. Sure, they gave up 39 points, but the defense was actually much, much improved in that game. And the offense just clicked on all cylinders. This year, in a way, it was probably even more unexpected than last year. Because last year just kind of felt like caught fire at the right time. And they followed up with a good performance against Northwestern and a good performance against Washington. But this year, I really held this Michigan team in higher esteem. Not that they were more talented than last year. I think last year, the Michigan defense was more talented and a little bit better. But the offense of this Michigan team had really started playing a lot better. Their pass game over the last several weeks had been really prolific, really efficient. Shea Patterson's arm, I think, had gotten better since earlier this year. He found a rhythm. The last two games, they were crazy good in the pass game against Michigan State and Indiana, averaging 13 and 14 yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, which is really good. The The run game, I profiled it all of last week. I said, look, I can't see Michigan beating Ohio State without being able to run, and they did not project that they were going to run. So we nailed that one, right? We, we called that. So... I'm not surprised that Ohio State won. But again, you're talking about a pretty good Michigan defense. It's not they weren't it's not that they weren't a that they were a perfect defense. They were small up front. They have allowed some success at varying times, both running and passing. But Ohio State was going up against a really good defense. And what they did to Michigan, 56 points, averaging nine yards per play. Justin Fields having 15.3 yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt. Adjusted yards per attempt, by the way, is just your yards with 20 for every passing touchdown and minus 45 for every interception divided by the number of attempts you have in a game. It's it's kind of another way to look at efficiency. Well, Justin Fields, 15.3 yards per attempt on Saturday puts him second best Ohio State quarterback performance of the last 30 years. You can guess the number one spot. Dwayne Haskins last year was 16.6. So Ohio State basically, you could argue, has had their two best quarterbacking performances against Michigan in consecutive years. I call that a trend. And I'll talk more about the Michigan thing here coming up in the next segment. But I think Michigan's in trouble. If you're a Michigan fan, look, I'm not saying you have to accept losing to Ohio State every single year because that's just not going to happen. But you have to start to look at this program in a bottle and wonder, is it ever really going to consistently get better? Because history says it's probably not. But Ohio State right now is a juggernaut. What they did to Michigan, it's really kind of surreal because they've done it two years in a row. And this team, I think looks the part, and walks the part, acts the part. It's it's really looking possible, if not even probable, that the Buckeyes are going to place two, maybe three players in New York City for the Heisman ceremony. It's really looking that way. Coming into the week, Bovada and some other uh, sports books that do odds for the Heisman 
had Chase Young and Justin Fields in the top three behind Joe Burrow. Most of these same same sites had Jalen Hurts number four. J.K. Dobbins was number five or number six. With the performance that J.K. Dobbins just had, 211 yards against Michigan, fell just short of Zeke's record 214 against Michigan in 2015, there's a really good chance now that Young, Fields, and Dobbins could all be in New York City with Joe Burrow. I know some of you are wondering how many people are accepted to New York City for the Heisman ceremony. There's actually no set limit. It's always at least three, but they they can decide on how many to take above and beyond that based on the voting totals. It's really subjective. So if they want to take five, if they want to take eight, if they want to take 15, they could. Usually they take three to five. But there's a really good chance you could see Joe Burrow with three Ohio State Buckeyes. How awesome would that be as a recruiting tool if you're Ohio State to have Joe Burrow, a former Buckeye quarterback, with three current Ohio State players? It's a real possibility, folks. This team is really good. You know, I'll talk more about playoff scenarios later, but I think this Ohio State team is in no matter what happens on Saturday. And I think with a win, they're the number one seed. But it's just crazy looking at this team. Justin Fields answered a lot of questions on Saturday. At what really impressed me the most is he did not start off having a great game. His first couple of drives, he was very erratic, very shaky, was not throwing an accurate ball. Made some decent decisions. He just wasn't throwing the ball well. And I made this point on my Unscripted Ohio podcast. The thing about other Ohio State quarterbacks in the past, Terrell Pryor, JT Barrett especially, sometimes if they didn't have it right away, you knew that they weren't going to have it. JT Barrett, if he looked good early in the game, he usually had a really good game. Penn State, a couple years ago, was probably the exception. He didn't look terrible in the first half, but man, he really turned it on in the second half. But usually, you kind of knew early in the game if he was going to have a good game or not. But Justin Fields is really cool as a cucumber. He didn't start off that game very well, but man, did he turn it on. And there were some of you, and I completely understand, that really, truly still had reservations about just how good Fields would be did he have that it factor in a game like this where you you have to overcome adversity throughout the game because he hasn't been in a situation where he's had to do it. He lost a few fumbles against Penn State. They kind of milked the lead. It wasn't his fault. He didn't have to make plays. He, he took a few really big shots in that game. He didn't have to rescue that game too much. He just had to make some smart plays down the stretch. And he, he did. You know, he finished. He did what he had to do against Penn State. But there was still something missing that you had to see it for yourself. And he delivered on Saturday. Ryan Day said he had the heart of a lion. And I completely agree with it. This was the most, I think, the most impressive performance by an Ohio State quarterback we've ever seen against Michigan. And I, I'm saying that because not statistically, Dwayne Haskins had the statistically the best performance last year. As I mentioned, that 16.6 yards per attempt. But this was a game where Ohio State absolutely needed him to be his best because the defense wasn't playing well in the first half and they needed him to make plays and keep up with a really frantic pace because Michigan was scoring early and often. 
And boy, did he ever come through. But, you know, Ohio State, for as good as the defense had been, it wasn't good in that first half. But I tell you what, that's another reason why this game was so impressive for the Buckeyes because Shea Patterson was lighting Ohio State's defense up in that first half. There's just no two ways about it. They were not getting pressure. Chase Young played probably his worst game of the season. But it wasn't just Chase Young. Nobody in that defensive line was getting to Shea Patterson in the first half. But they went in at halftime. They made adjustments. They came out playing mostly man defense. The defensive line started getting pressure on Patterson, making him throw off his back foot. The man defense was breaking up passes. A few few drops by Michigan receivers. That happens. But Ohio State played a lot better defense in the second half. They started breaking passes up, making interceptions, getting pressure. Shea Patterson, 4 of 24 in the second half for 55 yards and an interception. What's crazy for as, as much as he blitzkrieged Ohio State in the first half, he wound up 6.5 adjusted yards per attempt. That's his second worst game of the season. So Ohio State really got things turned around. It's crazy to think that for as much as Ohio State was being gashed, that was actually Shea Patterson's second worst game of the season in adjusted yards per attempt. This team has it. They have that something. Even in a game where they did not play their best defense, they did not get pass rush, it started off with uh, a so-so performance by Fields early on. They rebounded. And they put it together against what I think is a Michigan team that is really good. Not a top five team by any stretch of the imagination. They have flaws. The run game, small defensive line. It wasn't a perfect Michigan team, but it was a good enough team to give Ohio State really good fits. I thought they had a great game plan for Ohio State. But the Buckeyes still wound up putting together almost a 30-point win against their rival. Really impressive, impressive stuff for Ohio State. As long as the Buckeyes take care of business on Saturday, they're the number one seed. If they don't, they're still in the playoff. We'll talk about that coming up in the third segment. In the second segment, I have a Mich- I have a open letter or an open monologue for Michigan fans. What is this Wolverine program? What should we expect from it? I have a few thoughts on that coming up. I really don't like to go down the rabbit hole of hearing what other fans have to say about a game. Because you look, every single fan base out there has its percentage of crazies. The people that are overly emotional, that have no logic or reason, they just spout off. You know, and we all have these traits to a degree where we overreact to our favorite teams and sporting events. It happens. It's it's not unique to any one fan base. But usually those, uh, you know, those isolated incidents, the, the crazy posts that you see on message boards and social media, look, I, I try not to put too much emphasis or, or care about those too much. Like everybody, I'm kind of curious sometimes to see what fan other fan bases or beat writers have to say. And so I wind up going down the rabbit hole of exploring. I've done it before. I do it quite frequently. I, I wasn't planning to do it this weekend, but I started being bombarded with, with messages and 
text messages from friends and, and just people asking, hey, did you see what this person said? And of course, I saw all the Twitter posts about the cheating allegations. And I'm trying to put myself in the shoes, having a little bit of empathy for what Michigan fans are going through because it's got to be hard to rationalize losing to your rival eight straight years, 15 out of 16, 17 out of 19. It's really got to be difficult. Ohio State went through it in the 90s, and that was probably a little more perplexing because unlike Michigan right now, who just is flat out not as good as Ohio State, the the percentages are crazy. You wouldn't expect Ohio State percentage-wise to win 17 out of 19, even despite the talent differential. It's close enough that that is probably a little bit of a aberration, but it was even more hard to understand in the 90s why Ohio State was losing because they were the better team many of those years. They were the better team in 93. They were the better team in 95, 96, and 97. Maybe not 97. You could make a case that I guess Michigan was the better team in 97, but you get the point. It was perplexing why Ohio State continued to lose to a team that was not as good many of those years. So if I'm putting myself in the shoes of Michigan fans, I understand they're trying to justify it. They're trying to rationalize it. They're trying to make sense of it. Look, at the end of the day, Michigan is losing mostly because they're not as well coached and they're not as talented. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Ohio State has better coaching most of these years and better talent. But Michigan fans would have you believe that there's more to it. It's that Ohio State is cheating. Ohio State has admission advantages. Ohio State is paying players. They're they're helping athletes with their schoolwork, with tests. There's so many excuses here emanating from Ann Arbor and that state up north. And it's kind of silly and ridiculous how many people are actually buying into it. I saw some people saying, well, it's, it's helpful that Ohio State can get Justin Fields into the school. And Michigan can't. And these people are oblivious to the fact that Justin Fields was a 4.0 student, an honor student in high school, who had his first offers, scholarship offers, from schools like Harvard, Northwestern, Stanford, Duke. He can get into all of these schools, apparently, but couldn't get into Michigan. That's what Michigan fan would have you believe. There's not a difference between Chase Young or Rashawn Gary. If you don't believe Chase Young wouldn't have got into Michigan if he wanted to go there, folks, I got a bridge to sell you because that's ridiculous. Michigan has been known for years for kinesiology, general studies. Michigan gets people in to the university just like Ohio State does. I promise you they do not have extreme selective admissions when it comes to football. If you are a five-star player, as long as you have even substandard scores or grades and you want to go to the University of Michigan, they will find a way to get you in with the special talents program or some kind of admissions exceptions. 
almost every major program does it. And to say that you're so far above and beyond all the other public schools and, and they can't get in, that's horse pucky. It's baloney. Never mind the fact that Ohio State has actually almost caught up with Michigan when it comes to admissions selectivity. And I hate doing the thing where we judge a university based on admission select selectivity because if you're a good student, you can get a quality education wherever you go. Many of these university rankings aren't based on the university's education itself. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that's based on what student you allow in your university in the first place. Admission selectivity makes up a huge percentage of these rankings. So just because you're allowing a higher percentage of honor students into your university, that doesn't make you a better school. I'm not going to go any further down that path because I could complain about that for hours. But the point is Ohio State has caught up. The ACT, the average ACT scores at the 75 and 25 percentiles, those levels, Ohio State is within a couple ACT points of Michigan now within the last couple of years. It has gone from basically if you were living and breathing and a high school graduate in, in the state of Ohio and you could get into Ohio State back in the 80s and 90s, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with allowing every person in Ohio to get higher education, in my opinion. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you really want to judge on that criteria, well, Ohio State has caught up. So the idea that the quality of student that Ohio State is allowing in being so much different than Michigan, that it's, it's horse hockey to begin with. As I said, kinesiology, general studies, Michigan is known for getting these kind of students in. It happens. It's no different than Ohio State. But Michigan fan is clinging to the idea that it's NCAA having a conspiracy against Michigan and trying to help out Ohio State. Or it's the boosters and, and Ohio State paying players to go there. It's the admissions criteria. It's helping guys stay eligible by doing their homework and doing their tests. And it's excuse after excuse after excuse. It's time to look yourself in the mirror, Michigan fan. How many years has it been since you won a Big Ten title? I can answer this for you. It's been 15 years, 2004. It's been 1997 since you won a national title. It's been 75 years, since over 75 years, since you won an outright national title. Undisputed. You only. It's been so long since Michigan has been successful consistently. In the past 25 years, Ohio State has won at least 80% of their games 18 times in 25 years. That roughly equates to two losses or fewer. Now, Michigan has done it four times in the last 25 years. To find 18 times where Michigan has won at least 80% of their games in a season you have to go back to 1970. That's 50 years. Ohio State has had 18 in 25 years, winning at least 80% of their games. Michigan has had 18 in the last 50 years. It's time to look in the mirror. This Michigan program is not what it once was. It's not 
in a talent-rich state, Ohio State is. It's not drawing the national name that it used to. Back in the 70s and 80s, kids went to Michigan from around the country because they wanted to play on national television and they wanted to play for a historic program, which, by the way, Ohio State just passed this weekend with that win. Ohio State is now number one all-time in winning percentage. But kids wanted to go to that program in the 70s and 80s. They wanted to be on a prestigious team. They wanted to be on television. You can be on television wherever you go now because every game is televised. So Michigan no longer has that television advantage. The name Michigan doesn't carry quite as much clout as it used to. Ohio State is winning consistently because it has more talent, better coaching, in a more talent-rich state, recruits better, It is the number one brand in college basketball, or I'm sorry, college sports, including college basketball. It's the number one overall brand right now in America. Michigan is not. So it's time to stop with the excuses and look in the mirror and maybe accept the fact Michigan just maybe isn't what it once was. Should it be better than it is? Maybe. That's an argument we can have. But this idea that Michigan is losing because of cheating, because of academics, admission standards, yada, 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 it's, it's getting irritating. Honestly, let's not do that. Let's, Michigan fan, be better than that. You're losing because you're just not as good. If 62-39 and 56-27 doesn't prove that, if eight in a row doesn't prove that, 15 out of 16 doesn't prove that. I don't know what to tell you. It's kind of sad. Like, I really do actually, I know some of you are going to disagree with me on this, and that's fine. There's no right or wrong answer. But I think it would be better for the Big Ten, for Ohio State, to have a legitimate rival. Sure, it's going to sacrifice some of the wins and losses. I get that. The winning percentage would go down. But it would be nice to have the rivalry back. Justin Fields saying what he said may have been true. Ohio State does take it more seriously. And maybe it'll be like that until Michigan really does. But I think the problem is Michigan doesn't have the feeling of what it's like to beat Ohio State. They don't know how to beat Ohio State. They haven't been able to do it forever. It's been 2003 since the last time they beat a winning Ohio State team. I don't know what the answer is, but I do want to see a better rivalry as much as I know you're all loving this and you would like to see eight more years of Ohio State winning. That's probably not realistic. Even even just by sheer random chance, Michigan is going to win one of these some year. They don't have to be better to beat Ohio State. They just have to be, they just have to show up and be better on a single day. And that will happen at some point. Ohio State can't keep winning this like the winning these games like they are. But Michigan regardless of how many times you win in the next eight years, 15 years, 20 years, just deal with it. Just face the facts. You're just not as good. That's the problem. Michigan hasn't been on Ohio State's level for a long time, and it's finally starting to sink in for some of you, but not enough. We'll talk college football playoffs, why I think Ohio State is in no matter what, and why I think They will get the one seed if they win and where they'll end up. 
win and you're in. That's the mantra for Ohio State this weekend. And actually, they don't really need to win to be in. Listen, here's the deal. Ohio State, an 18-point favorite against Wisconsin at the Big Ten Championship on Saturday. The good news is you don't have to worry about the weather report. It's indoors. There will be no rain. There will be no snow. There will be no wind. You don't have to worry about cold hands. You don't have to worry about tall grass. None of that matters. It'll be indoors on a fast track. Ohio State does have that going for it on Saturday. They they already beat Wisconsin by 31 points earlier this year. That was outdoors. That was in Columbus. It was in the rain. They won't have to worry about that a second time. Will Ohio State have to worry about the emotional aspect of trying to get up for a team that's already beaten badly? Maybe. It's down to about a 14, 15 point spread in many places. That is why, sure, I could probably subscribe to the idea that Ohio State might be in for a close game this weekend. But regardless of what happens, as long as Ohio State wins, not only will it be in the playoff, but it will be the number one seed. If Ohio State loses to Wisconsin, look, the Buckeyes have a lot of goodwill built up. With the way that they've played, having four wins against ranked teams right now, Ohio State will be in the playoff, even if it loses to Wisconsin. The only thing is, will it be in the three seed where you might have to face Clemson? Or will it drop to the four seed, which actually could be advantageous in itself because you're playing LSU in the first round, assuming LSU beats Georgia. So losing isn't even the worst thing in the world, but you really want to try to avoid Clemson the way they're playing, especially the way they're playing defense and the way that they pass rush. I still think that that is Ohio State's kryptonite right now. If there's one thing that they could trip and fall, it would be on account of that. But Ohio State, take care of business. They will be the number one seed. I cannot see the committee moving LSU ahead of them. Ohio State would have four or five wins against ranked teams, depending on what Cincinnati does next weekend. LSU would also have probably four if it beats Georgia. Texas isn't getting back into the rankings at seven and five. The difference between the two right now, while you could still argue, even with Bama's loss to Auburn, you could still argue the two resumes are similar, even if LSU has an advantage after beating Georgia, because Ohio State has passed the eye test so well, they still beat Penn State by double digits after leading by 21 in the second half. They beat Michigan by 29 points. So they're going into this, they can afford just barely beating Wisconsin. And I think they're getting that number one seed. What does that mean? It means, number one, you're not playing LSU or Clemson. Number two, I think it means, most likely, if the projections hold, if Utah takes care of business in the Pac-12, assuming LSU beats Georgia, then I think Ohio State would go to Atlanta and play in the Peach Bowl against Utah. Because I think Utah is going to stay ahead of Oklahoma. And assuming Georgia loses to LSU, Utah would slide into the fourth spot. The committee, and I know there's a lot of confusion on this, the committee actually picks where the bowl games are played. There has been a lot of misunderstanding, confusion. It's been uh, reported both ways, but the committee and not the number one seed actually picks the location. The committee can seek a preference from the number one seed, and it has done so in some years past. Apparently, or reportedly, it has not done so the last couple years but it can seek out the preference 
of where number one seed would like to play. But ultimately, it is up to the committee to decide where the number one seed plays. They do so on a number of factors, proximity to the school, ability for fans to travel, preference just where they would like to play, whether it's a city they're accustomed to. There's a number of things and also not wanting to put the higher seed at a disadvantage. So I think that Ohio State would play in the Peach Bowl in Atlanta if they're playing against Utah because you would have the proximity. A lot of fans from Ohio could drive to Atlanta. It's an eight-hour drive. I lived in Atlanta for several years. It's a really, really big alumni base for the Buckeyes. Not that Phoenix isn't, but Atlanta is a really big alumni base as well. So I think Ohio State would play in Atlanta against Utah, and also that would avoid a possible disadvantage by playing in Utah's home region. If you play that game in Arizona, it's a lot closer to Salt Lake City. So I I think if Ohio State plays Utah and LSU plays Clemson, they would put uh, LSU-Clemson out in Arizona and Ohio State-Utah in Atlanta. Now let's say Georgia beats Utah, or I'm sorry, Georgia beats LSU. That changes the equation because then Georgia and LSU would probably be in some order at three and four. If Georgia is still four, LSU three, Ohio State and Georgia would play, and the committee would probably not put that in Atlanta. That would be a huge, at least perceived, disadvantage for Ohio State. And they're not going to want to reward Georgia for being the four seed and getting to play in Atlanta. So that game would be moved. Ohio State playing LSU or Georgia probably would be played in Phoenix, where then Clemson would play LSU or Georgia in Atlanta. So those are the scenarios. I think if Ohio State plays Oklahoma or Utah, I think it's going to be in Atlanta. If Ohio State plays LSU or Georgia, then I think they'll be shipped out to Phoenix. Ohio State will be a part of this field. It's just a question of whether they win this week and get the number one spot, which I think that they will with a win. If they lose, probably going to fall down to number three or number four, but that depends on a lot of scenarios. Anyhow, that's going to do it today for the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. You can hear us on Apple iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any number of your favorite podcasting platforms. Follow me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Follow the show at Locked on Buckeyes Singular. It's going to do it for today. Remember this week, we got a lot to talk about. Big Ten Championship Preview, Ohio State, North Carolina, coming up in the Big Ten ACC Challenge on Wednesday. We'll discuss more about that as well. Hope you join us again on Tuesday. That's going to do it for me. Have a great night, everybody.